This is getting better and better. Get some recipes. Look at that. Yes, sir. You haven't peaked yet. Mmm, I just can't, mm, I just can't wait. That's a lesson that games are not played on paper. No. But they're played on the field. I told you guys, I told you. I told you. Welcome to Evolve, a lifestyle brand that disrupts conventional thinking and challenges you to evolve your soul, evolve your body, evolve your mind, and evolve your tribe. And now, it's time to disrupt. You have value, and you are not alone. When I close my eyes, I can see a whole different world. Wow, yeah. that's what I want to do, man. Well, so um, one of the things that we do when we start our podcast, we really like to start the show by asking our guests what's inspiring them right now. Uh, so I'm excited that we have both of you guys on, uh, and and I think we'll we'll start with ladies first. So Heather, is there is there music you're listening to, a book that you're reading, or is there a person in your life that's inspiring you? What's inspiring Heather Casey today? So I, I am currently. Um listening to two books about breath awareness so oh okay book breath um and then the other one is called the oxygen advantage and okay, I, haven't, I haven't heard of that one yeah so i'm um, really sort of exploring the breath um we are you know utilizing some tools in our studio with measuring that and helping people and uh that's what's inspiring me right now is trying to breathe better and help other people breathe better. That's awesome. Uh, who's the author of Breath? I can't remember his name. Um, we'll have to look it up. Yeah. So Casey Ruff, who you, who we all know, on his podcast, Boundless Body Radio, he interviewed the author of Breath. And it was a great episode. So if you guys haven't listened to it, you'll have to uh, give it a listen. It was a great, great episode. Uh, Pat, how about you? What's uh, what's inspiring you today? Man, dude, I just like I, I was sitting here thinking about that, and you know, honestly, um, I really like the the fact that we're all getting back to normal and people are like people are kind of seeing the light. I think it's just a lot of my clients really are, are inspiring me because it's they're just taking the bull by the horns and going full gas into into everything that like this whole year, this whole last year built us into this like, like reality of like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for opportunities to get out and compete and get out and, and do things together. And um, it's just so inspiring to see people like coming out of their, out of their COVID life and back into sport, back into reality and um yeah just just changing their reality for the better and taking uh taking advantage of like their health and wellness and taking responsibility for these things and mm. like, seeing seeing the opportunity there and that's that's been really inspiring because I, I mean i think that we've all had a little bit of that feeling of setback and um kind of changing our uh changing our perspective into like wow we really have gratitude for like the activities and things that we get to do with one another and it that inspires me to man just get out and like get fitness back and get back on the bike and and do things hard and you know challenge myself in new ways so it's been pretty cool yeah yeah that is awesome the human spirit is is pretty uh pretty amazing and when we take things away we realize how much we miss them. I got to tell you, what's inspiring me right now, Pat, is this uh, mustache of yours. That is one of the coolest. <laughs> you didn't have that full handlebar the last time I saw you. So oh, uh, it, it started as a beard and then turned into a like a bushy handlebar mustache for Iron Man St. George. And then, okay. uh, and then I got a lot of compliments on it. So I kept it. And we went home to Alabama to see Heather's family and uh, her her mom is, you know, very blunt, very sweet, but, you know, very much like bless his heart kind of thing. And yeah. she's from, she's from uh, like Montgomery, Alabama. So we, we bless go, your mustache. And she, she goes, you know, people don't, don't mean what they say when they say that. And I was like, <laughs> <"Jeez."> <laughs> 
All right. Bless your heart and bless your mustache. <laughs> you don't want you don't oh, want anybody boy. blessing your heart. My wife's from the south too, and you don't want anybody blessing your heart. That just kind of means you're kind of dumb. Yeah, <laughs> you're an idiot at that point. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Uh, joining me today from the hallowed halls of justice is our legal eagle, Nick Meekum. Welcome, Nick. <laughs> hey, Steve. Thanks. Yeah, glad you can join us. And basking in the beautiful weather in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Today, our guests are a dynamic duel, Heather and Pat Casey. Uh, Pat and Heather Casey founded Peak State Fit with the concept of providing sports performance services to anyone desiring the techniques and the technologies used by the best in the world. They provide a unique blend of evidence-based, field-proven training services that have been validated at the highest levels of sport and fitness in the world. Uh, taking their experiences from elite sport, they help you to live a better, feel or help you to live better, feel better, and be more confident doing the things you love. Peak State Fit coaching staff has over 20 years of experience helping athletes and fitness enthusiasts reach their goals. Uh, they have worked with clients of all ages and all levels of performance from collegiate to professional athletes. Heather has roots deep in the south of Alabama, although the mountains of Utah have captured her heart. Pat grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, where he spent uh, the months where he wasn't playing ice hockey riding his mountain bike. Pat and Heather moved to Utah in 2014 to pursue living and working in one of the world's finest locations for endurance athletes, the Great Salt Lake City. Heather is a certified strength and conditioning coach or specialist, USA triathlon level two coach and mentor, Ironman regional head coach and race official, certified sports nutritionist, 500 hour trained yoga teacher, author and speaker. Heather, that makes me tired just reading that with all that <laughs> cool stuff you've done. Um, she grew up in Auburn, Alabama as a competitive swimmer from age six through high school. Her interest in coaching definitely stemmed from being coached by some of the best coaches in the world. She also experienced firsthand how sports shapes a person to become their more, the most confident and resilient self. She started doing triathlons at age 14, which was about two years ago, I believe, uh, and uh, cross-training for swimming. Pat is a USA Triathlon Level 2 coach, CSCS certified, Team USA age group coach, and Retool certified uh, or Retool bike certified uh, fit expert. His background as an elite road cyclist stemmed into his coaching and consulting career, which allows him to combine his love of cycling and triathlon with his devotion to helping people improve their quality of life and realize their athletic potential through endurance sports. Heather and Pat, welcome to the Evolve podcast. We are just really excited to, to have you guys joining us today. Thanks. Thrilled to be here, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so great to see your faces. It's been way, way too long. And we do need to see your faces in person sometime soon. So this is this is uh, episode one of having you guys on and we need to certainly have episode two soon. Right. Love to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, guys, you two, I, I would say, would be considered really a power couple when it comes to health and wellness. Um, my first question to you is, do you guys compete against each other? <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, I, think, yeah, I love how Pat looked to Heather yeah. and then Heather answered. So the answer right there is no. I, I can't think of anything. Um, I mean, we actually, when we were in Alabama this past week, um, we spent an entire week with my dad, my mom and my dad. We had not, we hadn't seen them since before COVID. So it was a really special week. And I think my mom was watching us Put, we were building um, a stand for a flat screen TV that my dad ordered on Amazon. And of course it okay. comes thousand pieces. And we were kneeling on the floor and just helping each other build this, you know, thing with these nonsense directions. And she said, you know, you guys work so well together as a team here and in life and in your business 
and and you know not to be cliche but but we do and it's our friendship it's everything yeah that's beautiful you guys really do work well together and you are that quintessential power couple so my question my next question would be uh, you know what challenges have you guys had to overcome in your personal evolution well man i think heather probably has a more like impactful story especially just you know life experience and curveballs that you know have been thrown uh thrown her way but um yeah honestly like the the evolution of i think us as business people and entrepreneurs has evolved out of just our love for endurance and 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 location and and you know as much as we've loved our time spent in the southeast we had significant challenges to see the potential that peak state fit had and our ideologies and, and the concept behind what we do for, you know, every day. Um, the actualization of that wasn't really met until we made it to Salt Lake City. And, and you know, I think being in the locations that um, are not as supportive or embracing of endurance sports, you know, riding on the road mm. in certain places can be really challenging, which can deter people from exploring new areas of, of fitness and wellness. and um, so, you know, I think just finding that, you know, our love for our love for what we do and the location are directly tied to one another and um, being able to do what we do full time really uh, evolved when we when we were able to like spread our wings in Salt Lake. Um, so, you know, that's mm -hmm. like probably more of a business related answer to that question. But um, yeah, no, it's a great perspective, though. And I, I hadn't thought about geography in that terms you know i mean you think about utah and it's a great place because everybody loves to get outside but i remember when we lived in ohio and i had a couple of people that were competitive triathletes that worked for me at the time and they would complain all the time about that there are the, the roads are too narrow when you're out training you feel like you're going to get run over by a truck as it comes by. So I really thought about that, that some states and some areas do tend to be a little bit easier for people to train and compete. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, as far as uh, our professional journey, I feel like we follow a similar path um, with you, Steve, and that we both started out sort of at that technician level of, um, you know, I was a personal trainer at Gold's Gym when I mm. started out, uh, like, you know, 20 years ago. And, you know, Pat started out working as a uh, bike mechanic in high school. And we just continued to stay within the thread of what we loved, but continue refining and even like our dream of moving to Utah, we were able, willing to make some sacrifices in knowing that we were giving up a successful coaching business that we had in Alabama to hmm. move to Utah. And so we like went back into working retail and we worked at White Pine Touring in Park City. And then Pat went to work at Jan's, which is uh, you so know, I was saying general management. Yeah. And, and so, you know, to make ends meet, that was, you know, it was a fun way to meet people too. So it was a great experience, but we made some. Everybody life. comes into Jan's in Park City. <laughs> you meet a ton of people. That's a great store. Yeah. But, you know, that was, you know, and then when we decided to move to Salt Lake, I started working at Lifetime Fitness. Mm -hmm. and of course, I met you. And, um, and that was such a great learning experience for me. And I said, you know, if I, I'm going to stick this out at least one year, uh, you know, I'll mark it on the calendar. I'll evaluate it next year to see if working a corporate environment is for me. And mm -hmm. I learned so many wonderful things and especially the, the leadership and business tools working for lifetime and the resources that were available to me, to me. But at the end of the year, I had to sit back and I'm like, wow, it's, it's really corporate. It's not for me. 
I, I'm, I'm willing to go full gas entrepreneurship <laughs> and, and hope it works out. And it has. Yeah, you, you kind of know when it's in your soul, don't you? I, I felt the same way when I started with Lifetime. I kept asking myself, okay, when am I going to go do something on my own? And I didn't know when that answer you know, would be right now. And it took a pandemic for me to realize, okay, it's time to get back into being an entrepreneur and running my own things. Um, but you kind of know that in your soul, don't you? Yeah, you do. And for me, it was, um, I love stories of, of people who have the, the perseverance to like, they were forced to evolve quickly. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, and I come from a story like that where through divorce and being a single mom and some unfortunate circumstances, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm like, I need to make some choices real quick. I have talent. What am I going to do with that? And, mm. And that's, I was already sort of dabbling in the world of personal training and like quickly found an opportunity to enter leadership there. So I, you know, went into management at Gold's Gym and it's fun to like think back on those days, but you definitely learn quickly. Entrepreneurship was always um, like on the forefront for me. And that's when I started like a women's boot camp. That was my first business. Yeah, I read that. And for some reason that I, I didn't pick up on that when you and I have talked in the past. So you started with this women's boot camp. What made you change and evolve to move away from the boot camp world? Um, I, it was a great experience in it. And financially also it was a, it was a successful business. Um, I think I decided that my interest was more sports specific, that I, I really wanted to work with endurance athletes rather than general population fitness. Gotcha. So how about, I, I mean, you guys are not just great coaches, but you guys are phenomenal athletes as well. Talk about your evolution as athletes. What's changed over the years? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think that like, you know, that whole concept of, you know, oh, you know, you're an elite athlete, you're going to make a great coach. Um, the reality is like, you know, and I, I kind of combated this idea that you had to kind of stay, take a step back from your athleticism being the focal point of your, you know, every day when you wake up in the morning, what's your, you know, what do you think of first? What do you do first? How do you, you know, what do you bring your best self to the table for? And like, that's, that's evolved a lot. Cause the, you know, my background as, as a road racer, you know, I, I raced all disciplines of, of bikes over the years and um, really fell into seeing my potential in on the road. And actually that was a part of why we moved to Utah was, just to pursue more opportunities. Uh, so in, in American cycling, there are, uh, there are tiers of, of level in, in USA cycling. And so you get to a, a cat one, which is the highest level before you reach mm -hmm. professional status. But a lot of the cat ones race the same races as professionals. So you can get recognized and, you know, possibly earn yourself a contract for one of these continental professional teams. So I was sort of on that trajectory to, to get the exposure, to race these big races. And that, you know, that was uh, an opportunity that I got through Mike Pratt at Canyon Bicycles. Now it's known as Hangar 15, mm -hmm. uh, got a team in the tour of Utah a few years ago. And, um, you know, and, and when you're in that realm of sport, it is very much, you're not making any money you're somebody's footing the bill for your equipment and getting you to races and, and outfitting you, but it's a big sacrifice. And so the, you know, seeing the, the potential for that opportunity I took advantage of, and, you know, obviously it was kind of a two-part mm -hmm. discussion. I was like, is this a cost to my, <laughs> my relationship, my financial uh, freedom? Um, you know, and it was, it was a challenging time to, to kind of make, to kind of justify it. Um, mm. But as soon as like, 
you know, we sort of, I spent about five years pursuing that. And then when it, I discovered my, my, uh, my role within a team that I, I joined was based out of the Southeast. It was a, uh, an amateur elite team that raced all over the country. They, uh, they, the director, so the director sportif, which is the guy that's sort of there to, to coordinate all the races, to get the guys together, to have the plan, to execute the plan. Um, he moved to India and was working for the title sponsor, which was like this large industrial rope manufacturer. So it was just this oh, wow. moment in time where he was like, I need somebody to take this role. Pat, you can speak with authority. You have the experience. I want you to be the director sportif. And, and I sort of became almost like a like coaching mentor. Um, people sought bike fit advice out of me. People sought all these different areas that I didn't really fully like I knew that I had good skill and could bring that to the table for athletes but being as a teammate and a resource it sort of meld these two things together where I realized I'm so much better as a consultant and as a resource and then I mean then I was as a bike racer I mean I I could race my bike with fast guys but I didn't I, I didn't see the the upward trajectory as well as I could see oh my god I can, this can be, this is my next move. And, um, you know, the, I think it does, even if you hear it from elsewhere, it doesn't, it takes, it takes seeing it yourself and recognizing that potential to, to make the move, to embrace it and, um, and go full gas into, uh, into a new, like kind of focal point, but still within the same thing that you love to do. And so I, yeah, kind of that next year, I just, I didn't commit to any teams. I didn't commit to any travel. And I literally like, as much as I wanted to race, I, we went, we rented a new studio space. We, um, you know, started fitting. I was fitting full time by the end of the year. And now we're, um, I think we probably quadrupled our bike fit volume since the first year that we were in business. And uh, that's been a really redeeming and rewarding thing to look back on just you know three short years ago and and uh changing the focus and and um you know and following your your gut and what you you know what you see yourself doing and and the um the visualization of that to come to fruition is pretty is pretty surreal yeah yeah that's awesome really cool so i talk talk a little bit more about that you it sounds like both of you, as you went through, you found, you said, okay, I want to, Heather, you talked about, you want to specialize more, Pat, you said, Hey, I'm probably a better coach than I'm a teammate. I think a lot of people struggle in their personal evolution to identify the direction that they need to go in. And then once they feel that inside, they have a hard time being bold enough to say, you know what the hell with all these other options, this is what I'm going to do. Talk about what did that feel like when you recognized what that next level calling was for you? It was, uh, yeah, I think it was validating because there was a lot of, uh, always a lot of, um, I don't know, I think, validating because there was a lot of personal personal setbacks that I think I um as a racer like had encountered and didn't necessarily know like I couldn't step back from myself to be objective you know I heard a quote a few years back that said we're we're far too invested in ourselves to be objective Mm. Uh, and we get too emotionally tied into things to actually be logical. And, and, and so it was validating to kind of recognize those things and actually feel it and see the reality and the writing on the wall of like, okay, no, there's a lot of things that now support this and, and it feels right. It doesn't feel like I'm quitting something. It just feels like I'm graduating into something new. And, um, and it was a unique, like, I think a unique year, uh, in that I had always just sort of like, you know, pump the brakes when the work overrode the time that I had to race and the time that I had to train. And I'd be like, 
fed up with like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do this, even though I'm getting, being called upon to do this. I want to row ride my bike. <laughs> and yeah, so it, yeah. level, it also took kind of a level of maturity and that feeling of like, um, yeah, that feeling of responsibility to myself, to my wife, to our, our household and being able to like, you know, own the, the new role that I was naturally evolving into. Yeah, I love that. And I'm sure Heather would agree with me on this. From an outsider's perspective, I look at you and I always saw in you this passionate and charismatic, magnetic coach. And so it's just like a hand in glove fit. And so like you're talking about, somebody may have told you that, but until you came to that res- you know, realization on your own, um, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because I, I can see that. I could see that back then. I could see that now. So what a cool thing it is to sit here today and have you say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in that space. Heather, how about you? Talk about your, your evolution when you realized that you wanted to specialize and not do the boot camps. And what did that feel like to you as you went through that uh, evolutionary process? Oh, it, there was definitely a lot of trial and error. Um, I, I think the first step was um, when I advanced my education and got the CSCS recognition Mm -hmm. and then had an opportunity to work at Alabama State University. And um, I worked as the assistant strength and conditioning coach and on sort of an injury prevention um, program incorporating a lot of Pilates and sort of core strengthening for their division one university football team and tennis, volleyball. And so it was such a unique experience for me to be in that, you know, division one level strength and conditioning room with just beautiful equipment and resources available to me and, and see you know, what quality program design could, could do for an athlete. And, and so I, I was like, I, I want to be a part of something greater than mm. just helping somebody lose 10 pounds. And I think that was sort of my, my lift off. So guys, I got a question probably for both of you as I've listened to you and the, you guys sound like you'd be a lot of fun to work with. I've done a couple of triathlons just because I thought I wanted to try it and it was harder than I thought it was going to be both times. But that <laughs> being said, as coaches, um, uh, do you feel like that's something that you naturally, that a person naturally is, can you be trained in? Obviously you can train to become better or maybe I'm just making that up in my head. Does that make sense? Can you become a coach or are you born that way and you just supplement? I, I can speak for myself in that I feel that I was called to be um, a, I want to say, a, um, in some type of wellness role, whether it was um, a doctor to humans, a doctor to dogs, like a healer, you know, kind of perspective or I'm not sure she po- she said a doctor to dogs and she pointed <laughs> towards you, Pat. Is there something yeah, that's going kind of messed up? Yeah. <laughs> Probably a doctor previous life, let's be honest. There you yeah. go. Yeah. I've been passionate about caring for uh humans, animals, plants, and mm. and sort of being in that kind of role. But then I think being, you know, I've always had such a positive experience with the coaches in my life. And I've been a coached athlete since I was six years old. Right. Um, in some regard. And yeah, so I've, I've had many positive experiences and I, um, so yeah, I always felt that that was a role for me. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, different styles and different personalities of, I mean, I think that anybody can be a coach if that's something they want to pursue, but the, 
I think the avenue through which they go about it, you know, has to be authentic to them and has right. to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, directed to like an audience that they can, that they can empathize with and they can, I yeah. and you know, the, the people I think I resonate best with, I'm, I'm not a drill sergeant coach. I'm not a, I'm not a really rigid, you know, you have to, you have to hit these numbers and, you know, like chop the block every single day. Like, uh, you know, I, I realize that the reality of most people's lives has this very flexible, fluid nature to it. And that's kind of the way I coach. And I think it improves the service because I'm a great, I'm a great communicator and that's one element that I think in coaching is, is invaluable. And that should be the first thing. I think if an athlete is going to interview a coach, you know, really hit on what their communication skills are like, how well they work around setbacks. If they can't see the plan evolve and change with your lifestyle, with your travel schedule, with, you know, there's, they're probably not going to work well with you if you know you've got a, a busy life so one of my clients is the medical director at intermountain healthcare and he's dang just constantly changing you know week by week he's got an icu he oversees in cedar city and goes you know and there's this just in flux kind of nature uh very often and and um you know i it's an amazing role he has um and so i always want to come back to him and ask him like is this complementing what you bring to the table as a professional and if that answer is ever no we have to kind of take a step back and reassess this as soon as that pie chart gets shifted so much with an athlete that it's having diminishing returns in their relationship or their work life or their kids lives you know then there has to be something's got to give to to shuffle that balance back and, um, and also help them keep on the path towards their goals. Cause those goals I think are validating to all the other things that they have going on in their lives. And they want to, they want to use that to build themselves into a more well-rounded human. Yeah, that makes sense. So just, well, I like follow- how you talked. Oh, sorry, Nick, go ahead. I'm, I apologize. Just a follow-up question to that. Uh, and maybe I'm reading too much into my, myself and the way I, deal with people but how do you deal with as coaches like people's excuses it's like one thing to deal with a dog or another animal or a plant right like you can for me it's much easier for me to forgive my dog than to forgive my workout partner who doesn't show up and he's like yeah i (laughs) just didn't really feel like it you know blah 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 and i'm like uh you know what i really don't want to hear your excuses and it's not my, my two workout partners show up all the time but you know, it's like I, when my friends tell me, oh, I just don't have 45 minutes to an hour. I'm like, oh, this is just falling on deaf ears. And it's That's just hitting the ground. Yeah, this is not, <laughs> I, you don't make any sense to me. And so how do you take stuff like right. that as a coach and just like let it roll off your back? I just, maybe it's just my personality. And it probably is. I've got the worst personality, but um how do you take stuff like that and just let it that's great like roll off your back i just hate that kind of that's stuff. that's the quote yeah. of the episode nick i've got the worst personality that's i great. really do i really do i yeah. hate excuses i'll take that one um and actually i i can wrap um a name that we all know into this matt carlin um that oh, yeah. lifetime so yeah. i decided to take the precision nutrition coaching path. And, and I talked to Matt about his experience. And, you know, do you recommend this program? And so I did the, the level one program and it, it, it's an intensive and it took about a year mm-hmm. and it really gained a lot of insight on how to communicate more effectively with a client about what's really going on. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's just trying to ask the right questions, listen, and be curious and just try Which to. Which Matt help. is a master of that. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I really, I 
I loved that program. And then I decided to do their level two program. And again, I talked to Matt. I said, what do you think? Should I do the level two? And he said, the level two of Precision Nutrition's coaching program will, will make you such an effective communicator with your clients that it's, it's not so much about nutrition. It's more about having the skills to, you know, not enable, but listen and be effective. And so I learned a lot from that. And, and I think it helped me because in the past, when I, like, I, I see myself as sort of an, uh, let's say a coach 10 years ago, I would feel things very personally. And if, you know, if athletes yeah. weren't successful with um, a spread of workouts and things weren't going well, I was, you know, I, I would really feel that. And so to, to learn more about myself as a coach and to learn to effectively communicate better with everyone it made me a better person in general too, I think. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of evolution that happens in coaching. You become a better person overall. What are some other things that have changed in your evolution as a coach? Hmm. Yeah, I think the the word that comes to mind is just empathy and being able to understand and appreciate um, athletes' lives and you know, not again, not to like get too emotionally involved with coaching an athlete, but, you know, and, and to give the, give too much sympathy to areas that, you know, might just require a little more objectivity and helpful guidance. But um, yeah, I think being able to just shift from being a top down, you know, this is what you do to like, what are you enjoying the most and, and trying to evolve that with mm -hmm. the that you're trying to help that that athlete reach um and it's yeah kind of getting more creative uh finding out what what makes people tick and that's you know one person's week looks very different than another person's week mm -hmm. because they have very different desires different personalities some people are very structural and want to have that like check the box i hit all these intervals other people want want more freestyle uh type sessions and you just kind of have, you know, and especially with endurance training, you know, like yeah. I think with training in the gym, it, it's a little more, has to be a little more structured. Um, especially since there's a, you know, component to like, uh, appropriateness more so than just ass assigning swim, bike and run workouts to people. But, yeah. um, yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I think also COVID and, also blending all of our sort of holistic qualities of coaching in at the end of the day, we feel like is an athlete happy? Are they, are they happy with their coaching experience? Are they happy with, you know, what that relationship is bringing to the table? And, and I, and we've, I've learned that more than anything that it's, it's not always about the numbers and the metrics it's, is that athlete happy? Yeah. What, what a great perspective. So in, in our second episode that we ever did, we interviewed a, a psychologist and a yoga teacher, uh, John, John Cottrell. And he said the, almost the exact same thing. He said, I ask him, what do you enjoy doing? What do you like doing? Are you happy? Because if you're not, you're not going to stick to any of this. So I, I guess my my next question on on your path of evolution as coaches is, what do you no longer believe that you used to believe as a coach? Man, that's a good question. Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I think that there's no absolutes. That like you know, I think when we first get into anything and we look to the the people at the very top of the profession, you know, whether it's like Bobby McGee or Jim Miller or, uh, you know, any of these, you know, big wig coaches that really have it 
figured out and they have their process and and it's it's almost like you know seeing a, a profit of coaching to be like oh my god you have all the answers this is you know this has to be this has to be the way um i think the the fact that there are so many thousands of ways to skin a cat in coaching and mm. um, the ability to see your, you know, toolbox evolve and changing the way that you approach different situations, different challenges, different mobility routines, and, and even structuring mobility routines to give more appropriateness or more enjoyment out of them. You know, there's, there's so many ways to give, um, to give guidance and even communication methods. And so, yeah, there's, there's just uh, like no absolutes in, in, in training and coaching. And um, uh, I think once upon a time we, you know, we thought it was, uh, it was very organic and then we thought it was very formulaic. And then now we've kind of come to a middle ground where it's, it's both. And, um, and there's a time and place for all of it. So um, mm. that evolution is, uh, is an interesting one to think about for D sure. Different tools for different situations. Yeah. 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 That's great. So I wanted to ask you guys a question about uh, your coaching endurance athletes. Uh, what value do you find in stretching? And I guess the reason I'm asking that is because I not the greatest endurance athlete, but it's something I enjoy doing, but I literally don't stretch or haven't stretched because I don't like it. And I am the least flexible person ever. Um, but about six months ago, I got a nice little IT band injury mm -hmm. that jacked up everything. And I have just barely started running again as I've kind of figured out my injury and rested it. And something that helped a lot was stretching. Mm -hmm. So, um, my question is how important is stretching really? And I, Heather, I know I saw on your website that you, uh, do yoga. I don't do yoga cause I, I'm not flexible, but <laughs> just stretching generally. <laughs> That's uh, a standard excuse, right? I actually just um, wrote an article for uh, Triathlete Magazine and did sort of a follow-up for Cycling West just a few days ago. So uh, it's an interesting discussion and uh, point that you bring up to talk about because um, I think there are a lot of misconceptions about stretching. Um, the research has shown that static stretching doesn't actually do anything because yeah. muscle tension is directly tied to neurological function. So mm -hmm. saying that again, in a little bit more like basic sense, our brains drive L layman's terms here, Pat, I mean, people so, are not so this. There are some people that are smart listening to this. There are some people that are slightly less smart. Lay it listening. out for a dummy like me, a meathead. There you go. <laughs> when you go to the doctor as a kid and they hit your knee with the, with the hammer yeah. and you're, they're testing reactivity. So what that is essentially testing is the neuro function of a response. So um, they're, they're essentially testing what's called reciprocal inhibition, which is one side of a joint contracts and the other side relaxes <laughs> good job awesome. heather punch him there for a second yeah. so in order little, for little elbow to go up um one side of that joint has to relax so say we flex our quad we bring our knee up and the other end of that of that that other side of the joint tends to relax um mm -hmm. so uh the the phenomenon of, of muscle tension occurs because we have so much neuro drive to areas of our body that are constantly loaded, right? So our IT bands are tied to our vastus lateralis, which is our quad, our big muscle right here in the front of yeah, our leg. Right. And you got to think about throughout the day, what, what do you do most of the day? Sit. So, and think about the shortening of that position at our hip, which is where that muscle is inserted at. So everything's tied together and thinking about it in terms of, well, this side is probably, this side of my body is pretty tight. Well, let's think about the backside. Backside gets a lot of pressure and, and the, the, the function of that back, the other end of that um, 
that joint, say at your knee, which is where you're getting that pain for your IT band, right. uh, is, is very downregulated in terms of neurodrive because it doesn't have as much activity going to it yep. throughout the day. Um, so the idea to just stretch one side doesn't address the reciprocal element to the other side not getting enough work. So if we just lengthen out that quad and stretch it, it, does, it doesn't change the fact that we don't have any drive going to the other side of the joint to help it function better and to balance out the, the, the drive to both sides of the, of the joint. So um, back to the discussion on stretching, um, I do think stretching is effective, but stretching without a, uh, an element of activity has no impact whatsoever on the actual right. cause of the tension. So um, I don't know if you guys have talked about this on the podcast yet. And if not, maybe this can be one of our, our uh, continuing episodes. But um, pails and rails is a methodology that was developed by Dr. Andrea Spina that is, um, has been researched and proven to show that, that this um, method works far better than any form of of normal stretching um, and pales and rails stands for progressive and regressive angular isometric loading. So the idea is you go into a stretched position, you engage for 15 to 20 to sometimes up to 30 seconds with a progressive effort. And then you move through the regressive effort, which is just the opposing movement. So you're essentially pulling, you know, you would lift your leg. So if you're stretching your hamstring, say, yeah. well, will go into a stretched hamstring position. And then instead of just folding forward and stretching the hamstring, you go to where there, you feel a, a bit of a stretch and then you create pressure downward into that hamstring okay. to activate it. Yep. Then, you, you know, you're, you're simply firing up these different muscle fiber types and engaging that muscle spindle. And then as you go through the regressive, you're relaxing it and sending the Golgi tendon, which is another part of the mechanism in the muscle that's going to help it relax. And so you send this kind of, kind of like the brain of the muscle, so to speak. Yeah. 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 And I bet um, we could, Steve, can we attach the article? Cause he actually has photographs of all of the pails and rails. That, that oh yeah. 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 Send it to me. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So stretching's great, but a process that's different than just static stretching is far more effective. Yeah. So yeah, no, that makes perfect there, sense. There are a hundred hundreds of videos out there on YouTube that are phenomenal and something for that Pat hip is rotation. currently very passionate about. That's great. Yeah, very cool. So we we need to did so you said you wrote an article about this recently? Two articles. <laughs> Two articles. All right. Yeah. So send those to me. We're going to link them in the show notes so people can uh, can get access to those as well. Um, so I want to shift gears just slightly as coaches. I want to talk about disruption. So how do you guys disrupt your clients and spark evolution in them? Um, specific to coaching. I mean, I, I believe in asking. um athletes and i call all people athletes i call my 75 year old clients athletes they're all athletes yeah um, they are in some way or another yeah yeah to to do something outside the box it's challenging to them and so i mean if they're training most of my clients are training for an iron man or the 70.3 distance half iron man mm -hmm. and so at, you know, strategically, the closer we are into that specific preparation time period, a lot of times I will ask them to do sort of a race simulation and it's a hard day. Um, usually I'd say like percentage wise, it's probably 80, 80% volume of the race. And, and if possible, if, if, you know, person has access to open water, you know, I ask them to sort of do that race day of going to the race site, doing the open water swim, transitioning to their bike, um, in the clothing they're going to wear that day using the exact sports nutrition products and the quantities, making sure that it's all recorded so that we're fine tuning that process. So, so it's really like a dress rehearsal, so to speak. Yeah, it is. So it's a race simulation. Yeah. Okay. 
And it's designed to do a few things, you know, challenge them mentally and physically. And also to, as that dress rehearsal to see what we need to refine. So, so why does that, uh, you, what does that do to people when you start to disrupt them in that way, Heather? Um, it can do anything. I mean, people, people are very interesting and, you know, <laughs> I like interesting. Interesting is kind of a great, very political term. And as you know, from your experience working with thousands of members and personal trainers, yeah, clients, yeah, athlete, you know, you can't, you can't put people in a mold and say, this is the person I'd like to work with. And I want them to all be like this. Right. They're not. <laughs> and, and so I think a few things have happened in my evolution as a coach and that my, I'm, I have a very, we both have a very successful rate of, you know, client retention. And that's, I think because of the front end, you know, the, the interview process. By front end, you mean Pat's mustache. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this is what people keep coming yeah. back for, baby. Yeah, baby. You know, I, th I think people come to Peak State Fit looking for a holistic approach. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're going to feel good and they're going to reach their performance goals. And so we, most of those people really vibe with us in that way. And I think on the very few, um, the rare occasion where something's just not working and you can't, I, I've definitely learned a lot of valuable experiences from, I have to compliment you here. I mean, leaders such as, as yourself, Steve, being able to to see people in action in leadership positions handle difficult situations with grace, knowing mm, that, I appreciate that. that people are individuals mm. and don't know what's going on in somebody's life. And so you can't judge them for that moment in time. And, and, and that's been valuable for me working with athletes because if I can't help them reach their performance goals, there's so much more to that picture that I will never know. And I have to be willing to accept if somebody is making me feel physically ill by working with them, that's my gut reaction telling me it's not working for any of us. And it's time to gracefully bow out. Yeah, what a what a great perspective. I think, and I appreciate the the kind comments there. I, I read something once that said that in order to treat everybody fairly, you have to treat everybody different. And that means treat them as they are, accept them for where they come from. And when you do that, then essentially you're treating everybody the same, meaning you're accepting where they're at. You find those disruption points that you need to have in order to help them to grow but you do it with a sense of, of love and acceptance, right? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Heather, you mentioned that you, uh, this question will be for both of you, but Heather, you mentioned that you like to push your athletes to do something that maybe they're a little uncomfortable with, and that's going to be different for all of us, right? Like whatever you're comfortable with, I'm probably not going to be comfortable with and, and vice versa, right? What, what's hard for you may not be hard for me and vice versa. But how do you, and that'll intimidate us, right, as athletes. So how do you help your clients evolve past that intimidation where they're uncomfortable? How do you push them past that discomfort? I think that that um, happens very early in a responsible coaching relationship, which not all coaches are capable of, but... Mm. To, to know that it doesn't matter what it, what someone tells you. If they, if they say, you know, I'm an advanced level athlete and I'm capable of this 
high volume, high intensity, you know, that it's, it's actually, you know, my responsibility as the coach to know that I'm progressing them responsibly. And so if in the very beginning, we build that trust that I do have the ability to guide you and pro progress you as an athlete physically and mentally, then what I may ask of you in the future is you're capable of it. Because I have seen coaches on a very irresponsible path just look at a training plan and say, oh, it's week 18. And mm -hmm. week 18, this is what every athlete doing an Ironman should do. And so uh, you're going to run 18 miles. And yeah. not really giving much care as to whether or not the athlete is responsibly able to do that. And it, yeah. I've had to have hard conversations with people and say, okay, it's um we need to evaluate where you are because i know how much grit and determination can take you but is it responsible of me to allow you to do an iron man when you've had some transitions in life and you've had some disruptions in your training and I can't guide you in this way responsibly. And so can we, can we make a pivot here? I think it goes back to what Pat was talking about at the very beginning where we are our own worst um, <laughs> objective reasoners, right? <laughs> we just, we have to have somebody else see from the outside to help to coach us. And I think what you're talking about is the ability that you have as a coach to see objectively and to coach your people to say, hey, this is, yes, you can do more. And sometimes it's, no, you shouldn't be doing more because of all of this other psychological or physiological load that's going on you. And I think that's, I'm a huge fan of coaching, obviously, not just because I was one at one point, but I have seen the benefits of it. And I think that people need to hire a coach to help them to get to their best self. So guys, we're running a little bit uh, up to our time. And I want, I've got a couple of other questions I want to make sure that we get in. Um, so this past year really has been an inflection point for, for Americans. Um, and I'm sure all over the world, but for sure, Americans. It's really shown us that the standard of living that we have had in America doesn't work. Um, I want you to talk to that person who is overweight, maybe less healthy. Um, and part of the reason why they are is because of how they lived during this pandemic. What advice would you give them? Yeah, that's good. I think um, even if, even if people aren't overweight, but yeah, just out of, out of their normal sense of uh, self in fitness um, it's, it's important beyond anything to go past the superficial idea of what they should look like, what anybody should, you know, the, the yardstick that you're measuring yourself by and come back to what does it bring you to your soul, to your mm. family, to everything that, you know, you have to be present for. Um, I think coming back to like that question of, um, yeah, is, is what I'm doing right now uh, enjoyable and, and getting out and just starting, just starting by a walk or starting by a light bike ride, whatever that, you know, whatever your desired sport or passion is, that's, you know, returning to that, even, I mean, even if you're interested in trying something new, that's, that's a good enough start too. And um, I think just changing one thing in your life, it's just like learning how to swim. You don't want to learn four things at one time because you're just going to lose interest or lose focus on that one element of control. So, you know, we all have crazy lifestyles with, you know, whether it's kids, work, um, work hands that, you know, trickle into your brain while you're going to bed at night. Um, I think the, yeah, the, the, 
elements of controlling your environment and controlling what you can has to has to become that discussion with yourself. And then, um, and two, I think identifying that um, that effort and being being honest and vocal about it, especially with your spouse or with your partner or your um, you know your kids, whoever it might be, who's your supporters, um, bringing them along for that ride and making mm. change and a sustainable change often takes a team and being being surrounded by people who are supporting that effort for you to change your life for the better um, just makes all the difference in the world. And, and we always tell people, even with um, like triathlon training and, and uh, the more that you can involve others in that, in that experience, that journey that you're going through, um, it just makes it more intimate and more invested, not only from, you know, from your own perspective, but you can, you're, you know, other people will see that and feed on it and you can have an impact in other people's lives too. And, you know, again, Heather said, you don't know what people are going through and having, having grace when you approach people um, is just so crucial. And um, I think that people thrive on other people's um, positivity and, and good energy they put out there into the world. And if you can, if you can take your, um, your little microcosm, your little environment and put out good energy and, and be present in a good way, in a positive way, um, that will feed everything that, you know, we strive for everything that we want, want to have every day in our lives. So, yeah, you think about that tribe. I mean, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I mean, I, I, I look at you guys and I think my life is so rich and so blessed by just amazing people that I know amazing people that I get to have these conversations with positivity at tribe. We all rise together, right? If one person has success, we all rise to, yeah. to that success as well. My final question for you guys is really, how are you evolving personally? What, what's next for this fitness power couple? Uh, wow. So that's, um, uh, the timing of that question is, is appropriate. Uh, I'll, I'll try to make it as brief and maybe just a hint of what to come, not totally transparent. We, um, we love teasers here, Heather, so that's great. <laughs> but uh, so we recently um, had this cross-country journey in the van, and we love those that time together. And Were you living in a van down by the river? <laughs> in Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's hardly a sacrifice. Gosh, it's such a fun experience being in the Yeah, what a cool thing. And but we love that journey of you know being on the drive with our dogs and seeing the country and seeing family and, and reconnecting with our roots. And um I think that for me, when we got back from, it was basically two weeks. And when we got back, I said, you know, I realized having this van in the experience, we've had the van for two months. And the experiences that we're having in the van are reminding me of what make us great. Mm. It, it's that we're great together. And we, I mean, you can put Pat in a separate room and ask him what he thinks, but um, <laughs> we, we love experiencing life together. And what we've done in the past um, two years with Peak State Fit with our physical location uh, mm -hmm. is that Pat has a beautiful space for his bike fit in the studio. And there's a lot of great photographs on the website. And then we have a business office and the Pearl Room, which is sort of a yoga style studio. And which I wanna come and see, I saw pictures of that. It looks beautiful. Well, that's in a separate building. And okay. so, um, yeah, there's some discussions about 
who who are we what makes us great and what what's going to make us thrive in the future and i think mm. there's be a late summer there's going to be some changes to our um our business that's going to make yeah us that's great and it's even more exciting yeah coalesce very cool the structure it's kind of like bring it bring it back to the you know the environment that we can create together yeah, what what a cool thing. I mean, I, I I can't say that I'm a huge fan of Madonna's music, but one of the things that I love about Madonna is the fact that she's constantly rein, reinventing herself over the years. And I think she has stayed relevant for so many years because she constantly reinvents herself. And I'm a huge fan of that uh, that concept and that idea. Sounds like you guys are doing the same. Uh, Pat is going to become the next evolution of Madonna, right? <laughs> Pat, la last question. That's a, yeah, that's you a, hope. I hope so. Yeah. That's a, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> Last question I've got for you, Pat. I love your hat. I want to see if we can do a trade. I'm going to trade you one for one, uh, an Evolve hat for a Peak State Fit hat. Absolutely. Let's do it. Man. All right. All right. We have brand, we have new old hats. You can pick the you can pick the style that you want. I love it. We're grabbing lunch soon and we're trading hats. Nice. Awesome. Well, and on that note, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guests, uh, Heather and Pat Casey, and my co-host, the Legal Eagle, Nick, uh, for joining us. We've had a great conversation today, and we hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, took something with you that will help you in your personal evolution. Uh, so, Heather and Pat, what is the best way for people to get in contact with you? through our website, peakstatefit.com. That's peakstatefit.com. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. A lot of great information on there. I think links to your blog, to articles you've uh, written, to uh, uh, TV shows that you guys have been on. You guys are famous. So we will put that in there. And Nick, what do people need to do right now? People need to go check out the podcast wherever you uh, wherever you find your favorite podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. Wherever you find your favorite podcast, we'll be there. You can also go to our Facebook page, the Evolve Facebook page, where we have uh, great discussions with a bunch of other people that are um, trying to evolve every single day. So those are two places you can go. Awesome. Great. And guys, don't forget, just like I'm trading Pat hat for hat, you guys can jump on our website, trade your cash for our amazing Evolve gear. Uh, so please jump on there. See all the great stuff that we have. Uh, you can find us at evolve-cast.com. Find us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast. Remember that it takes time to evolve. Evolve your mind, evolve your body, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. Now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.